This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Nice to be with you on us. rather cool Saturday morning. And I noticed you didn't check the weather before you <laughs> no, got dressed. No, I didn't. I didn't look outside, nor did I check the temperature. So a <laughs> pair of shorts. Ah, there we go. And I walked out. The, oh, holy macaroni. I know, and I actually have socks and shoes on for the my first little, time. And my I don't little remember. kneecaps are blue. I'm it's little. <laughs> oh, what? Wait, wait, are you are you referring to my huge five foot five self? <laughs> huge. Yes. Yes. And it's, it is a cool day. And no. uh, did it rain a little bit at your place? Man, what a light. Lightning show last night yeah. started, I think, around seven o'clock. It and got it really dark at my place. And I said to Di, I said, "Man, we're down by the lake, and I said, anybody out there in a boat, oh. that's got to be really scary yeah, out yeah. there." Head for sure. Uh, Should have done that an hour ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah. Anywho, uh, we're here to uh, talk about all things uh, related to the gardens. Charlie is. <laughs> and I'm simply here to get the phone numbers to you. Okay, here we go. For Toronto area listeners, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, it's one 740 And uh, the first voice you will hear when you call those numbers is that of James Dooley, who will be duly uh, charged with getting you to the... Um, <laughs> To the air, yes. Whew, fancy. Uh, say, uh, oh, the mantra, yes. Right, good point. Call early, call often, one question per call. And, uh, and that works quite often. People, yes. you know, if you ask your question, we get the answer Marion Brampton last week, wasn't it? Right. Marion Brampton. We had two, yeah. I think, that called again. Mm-hmm. You know, you can okay. get through if, if we just get to it, right? Exactly. And the only other thing... Mention to James if you're a first-time caller, and we got wind chimes to welcome you. There yes, you go. Yes, indeed, because you need your wings. Yes. Garden you, wings. Look at you're, this. You're like a traveling library. You <laughs> can see that. I've got so many notes. She has a tome in front of her Well, here. I want to thank all the people that send me all the, the updates and the announcements, and I do my best to make announcements at the beginning of the show of upcoming events. I have quite a number. Including one that you just received before airtime. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Rosemary, who's up very late, obviously, on Friday nights, you know, emailed me some Something at you know two in the morning. So, I've got lots to, to announce here. I'm going to make it as short and sweet as I can. So, some of them I have mentioned. For example, today the Agent Court Garden Club Flower Show and Competition open to the public from two until four thirty p.m. Very fun opportunity <clears throat> to see all kinds of competitive flowers, etc. <clears throat> Excuse me. There is a tea room. There's lots of opportunity to socialize and learn from novices and experts the, from the gardening members of the Agent Court Garden Club meeting at the Knox United Christian Education Center, 2575 Midland Avenue near Shepherd, and that's today open between 2 and 4.30. 
Now, tomorrow, there's a couple things going on as well. In Richmond Hill, the annual corn, corn roast at Russell Tilt's house is going on from 5 till dark. And this is a very fun event. Russell Tilt is a longtime member of the Richmond Hill Hort, Garden and Hort Society, and he's got an amazing garden. He's got a huge garden uh, in old Richmond Hill. So if you can get out there, join the Richmond Hill Garden and Hort Society at 25 Bridgeford Street South, Tomorrow, $6 each. All are welcome. Good company. Delicious food. Also tomorrow, the North Toronto Horticultural Society are hosting their annual flower show at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. 1 to 4 p.m. They're open to the public. And again, you you will see these flower shows are all Mm -hmm. about competition. And there's very strict rules and regulations about how you are allowed, how you enter these different categories within the competition. So you got to read the fine print, and you got to prepare your plants and your flowers in advance. Sure. That rain last night, you you know, people that are competing, they they were out there prior to that big rainstorm, cutting and putting in the fridge and dusting and blow drying and per- oh, well yeah. yeah because this rain that rain and that wind would have just knocked things over and of course things have to be perfect for the competition so go and admire what people have gone through for some beautiful uh, opportunities again 1 to 4 p.m. tomorrow free admission Toronto Botanical Gardens um, now, coming up next week, Wednesday, September 10th, 7.30 p.m., the Burlington Hort Society is hosting a general meeting and flower show. Again, uh, another show meeting for the Burlington Hort Society takes place at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane in Burlington. The speaker is David Woods of Wild Birds Unlimited, and his topic is Backyard Bird Gardens and Preparing Feeders for Winter. Everyone is welcome and lots of great refreshments. Don't forget Frank Kershaw speaking at the Riverdale Hort Society this Wednesday as well, 7 p.m. at the Frankland Community Centre on Logan, just south of the Danforth. Potluck dinner, uh, what else? Awards program and a slide presentation on colour in garden design. So that is all happening on the 10th. Okay, I've got to keep going on this because this is all happening this week. Well, or next Saturday, September 13th. The Guilford and District Hort Society is hosting their fall flower and vegetable show, plus a tea, from 12 noon to 1.30. So it's only for an hour and a half. Next Saturday, the location is the Churchill Community Centre, which is 6322 Young Street. Okay, and then after that, it'll be Sunday. So I'll stop there because Frank's starting to look at his watch. How do I say? It's time for the 10 o'clock news. No, <laughs> no. But hold on. Wait, wait. There's one more. Wait, wait. One more. Coming okay. up Tuesday, September 9th. No, I just want to get in all the ones I've got that are between now and next Saturday. So for those of you in the Scarborough area, Tuesday, September 9th, 7.30 p.m., Scarborough Garden and Hort Society general meeting and lecture with Malcolm Geist. He's a great guy. He knows everything. Uh, and he's actually a retired meteorologist. Anyway. Topic is bugs. And, of course, this has been a great year for bugs. Bugs. And he'll be presenting bugs at the Scarborough Village Community Centre, 3600 Kingston Road at Markham Road, this Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Speaking of being a little buggy, (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're off and running on what should be a fun day, though it'd be cloudy outside, a lot of sunshine emanating from this studio, which, of course, is located in Liberty Village, Mm -hmm. and the Superplex. And we're going to be coming back and have a word with Rochelle from Cremor, I'll order two, James and I. <laughs> oh, no, you, you Thanks like Cremor. Thanks a lot, yes. Make that three from Cremor. But <laughs> we're back to our callers in just a few moments here at AM 740. 
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, here we are on a Saturday, the eighth day, is it? No, uh, dear, it's the sixth. Oh, sixth. Good <laughs> Lord. I'm okay. Uh, I do You're know, rushing us into fall. <laughs> I do know that Rochelle's on the line anxious to speak with you. So here is Rochelle, and over to my right, my left, <laughs> in the studio, is Charlie Dobbin. Oh, I'm fine this morning. Hi, Rochelle. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. I hope there's no feedback. I'm on the Bluetooth in the car. No, sounds fine. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. So I'm calling. I'm. I know I'm getting boring about my hydrangea. It's down in Toronto. I have a bluebird hydrangea, mm-hmm. uh, blooming July to October. Sun to shade. Rich soil. No pruning. Zone four. You can tell I'm reading off the little tag blurb that comes with it. Uh-huh. So. I didn't get any blooms. I mean, it's not that it—it's not that I didn't get any fertilizing insects. I did not get any blooms, <laughs> and or any buds. And my neighbor, both sides, have oak leaf hydrangea <laughs> with beautiful flowers when they flower. And there was no flower there either, either of them. Oh, well. What I've learned with hydrangeas, because we do get these calls, and I know I grow several hydrangeas as well, there's not 100% consistency with hydrangeas. What I find is that one year you get lots of blooms, and then the next year, not so many. And the following year, you're likely to get lots of blooms again. So there is that uh, sort of up-down, on-off every year blooming ability for many of the hydrangeas. Also, this was a killer winter. The amount of cold and the extent of the cold that we had this past winter did cause a fair amount of dieback on all the hydrangeas, whether it was the oak leaves or some of the tougher ones. Uh, So that would have had some impact on buds that were frozen off during the winter or formed early in the spring and then were frozen based on a late frost. So it was a a tough year for many of the hydrangeas, but I certainly would not give up. The only pruning you do is deadwood. Otherwise, let them be, of course, no fertilizing now. Let them be until next spring. Like I say, no pruning except deadwood. And next spring, let's see what happens and let's fertilize next spring. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much okay. again. And I'm going to try and call back. All right. Very Thanks, good. Rochelle. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, once again, we'll go to a, a line. Oh, this uh, this call coming in from Welland. It's Mary Jane. Hello, Mary Jane. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning. First time caller. Welcome. Oh, yes. First time caller. There are the wind chimes. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, last year, I bought two plants, and I had to look it up on the Internet, but they're called Lychnis, mm-hmm. L-Y-C-H-N-I-S. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous, silver foliage covered in these fuchsia flowers mm-hmm. and now this year they've come up and they've made babies all over <laughs> my garden but no flowers are they a biennial no they're a pretty um pretty tough perennial actually yeah well that's what i read on the internet but i don't know why they didn't bloom and i don't know what to do with all these babies <laughs> well <laughs> that's a good question how big's your garden do you want uh, it's it's not huge. I, it's not 
huge. It is pretty packed. Yeah. They will happily do a bit of a takeover if you let them. Yeah. So recommend that you don't allow them to do that. Okay. Uh, now, in terms of what's going on, why they're not flowering is a good question. Now, have you got them in a, a well-drained, sunny location? Well, they get an awful lot of sun. Okay. Um, the soil down here is like concrete, uh-huh. uh, rock-hard clay, very fertile. Everything else is just, like, I can't believe. I moved down from the Barry area where I had nothing but sand. This is glorious gardening down here. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't, I, I, I don't quite know what to do with these things now. Will they bloom next year? <clears throat> they may. Oh. So <clears throat> they should. Okay. All right. So this is it is considered a short-lived perennial, so it's not a plant that's going to live like a peony for 50 years or so. Okay. So you are going to have to allow some of that self-seeding to happen in order to keep this plant going okay. because the mother plant could die at any time, you know, not survive the winter. Right. So allow, you know, a little watch in the spring. <clears throat> you see little you'll very you'll recognize these little tiny plants. Oh, well, they're all over. Yeah, with those little gray foliage. Yeah. So <clears throat> keep some of those alive just uh, you know, on principle so that you've got them happening. They should provide a a low mounding plant. They're very attractive to butterflies. Of course, they're beautiful and bright when they flower. Um, This, you know, and shockingly bright, actually, (laughs) wake you right up in the morning. Um, But the main thing they do need is, like we said, full sun. So six hours or more of sunlight every day. Okay. In terms of a location. Oh, they get lots of sun. Yep. Okay. And they're, they're pretty uh, amenable in terms of soil, but if it's really heavy clay, I would be amending that clay. Okay. Get some compost in there, get that clay, lighten up that clay a little bit. Okay. And I think you'll find that that will help as well. This year, with all the rain, may have had some impact because they do prefer a drier-sided garden. They prefer, they need to be able to dry down. And of course, nothing's really dried down this year and clay stays too wet for too long sometimes well we never get any rain down here oh really <laughs> it, it 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 is extreme has been extremely dry you didn't get and, a storm and, last night or anything pardon did you get a storm last night well we did last night but that's the first rain we've had in forever oh, okay. and it's been unbelievably hot yeah. this is a whole different climate down yes, here it's quite yes. interesting huh um, it's but anyway all right well i'll 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 try it yeah, i don't I'll, give I'll up. try and Put them where they get it. They're a little more exposed. I'll, I'll see what I can do because they're just gorgeous. Yeah, and don't and remember as well, first year of a plant, if it doesn't give you all that bountiful flower first year, no worries. Sometimes it's just getting its roots down, down and getting established. Well, it's worth fighting for because yeah. it was just beautiful. Yeah, they're very pretty. Uh, that's great. Well, thank you so much, and I love your show. Thanks for your call. Thanks, Mary Jane, thank and uh, all the best to all the gang in, in Welland. We're going to be going to Brampton in just a couple of moments to say hi to Angela. First, we have to take a little bit of a break here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, back after these words. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, saying hi and good morning and welcome to the show, Angela from Brampton. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. I just love your show. Thank I you. I every Saturday morning. Oh, that's great. Uh, my hibiscus will not flower at all. I have two of them. They're huge. One is just budding now, and the other one, absolutely nothing is doing to it. 
can I trim them, trim that one back right now because I've got to bring it in for the winter. Okay. And is it just too big to handle to get it in, that one that's not blooming? Yeah. Okay. So if you have to do it, you have to do it. And that's, and you have to do it before you bring it in and you're going to be bringing it in in the next week to two weeks. So yeah, you better go ahead. But look really closely before you trim. Make sure there's no little tiny buds right on the tips there that you're going to trim off. Yeah. Um, you probably will not have any blooms, buds or blooms on that plant as a result of trimming it now. Yeah. And so mark on your calendar next March. And everybody's listening that has a tropical hibiscus in their possession. Next March, get out your, you know, hedge shears or your big, you know, loppers and do a serious trimming next March. So I'm talking taking off a minimum of one third of the plant. And then by doing that, by really pruning it hard in March, we get it outside in the summer. We hopefully have those blooms by July and August. And when we bring it in in September, we don't have to trim it because it's, it's got all those buds and blooms and it's an okay size to get back in the door. And the one with the blooms, I can't trim that, right? Well, you can, but you'll be trimming the buds and blooms off. I know, but it's so huge. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's a fine line. But but, but when the blooms inside bloom, Mm -hmm. can I then trim it? Right. Once you see no more buds being formed, you can trim it. But the problem is by that time, it's like December. I know. And to do a trimming then is don't go hard on your trimming then. Do a gentle trim if you're going to do any trimming in December, January, February. By March, you can do a much harder pruning. Harder. Okay. Okay, much Okay. extensive. All right. Thank All right. you, and you both have a great day. <laughs> Thanks for Thank your you. call. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye now, Angela. Uh, and uh, just to remind uh, folks of the phone numbers here, for those maybe very new to the station, if you're in Toronto area, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, it's a toll-free call, one 740 Four seven forty. What's that old Willie Nelson uh, on the road again? Mm-hmm. I just can't wait to get on the road again. Well, now Rochelle, <laughs> when last we spoke to her, was, was in, in Creamore. She's now in the Toronto area. No, she probably got that beer for us, and she's oh, bringing it down. Oh, maybe so. Good for you. Hello, and welcome back for the second time, Rochelle. Thank you, thank you, and good morning. Good morning. Welcome again. back. Yep. Um. So my service berry down in Toronto mm-hmm. uh, is a little bit, uh, a little bit um, challenged for sun, mm-hmm. and it it grew a long switch mm-hmm. uh, this year. You know what I mean? Sort of a long, tall yep. piece of uh, stem. Of shrub. Yep, yep. And I'm wondering if I can lop that off. Maybe I can try and root it because apparently you can uh, root them. And if I can lop it off because I want to keep it fairly small, mm-hmm. uh, when when is the best wait? When is the best time to do that? <clears throat> if you can wait until uh, spring. Of course, service berry gives us beautiful white flowers, pale pink flowers in the spring. And if you can wait until then, until it's just flowering and it's just post-flowering, so that, you know, typically that's uh, April, though this year it was May. 
it's at that point that you would do whatever pruning you want to do. However, if it looks really silly right now or you think that that's kind of a a dangerous piece that might break off in the wind or or get knocked over in the snow, you could prune it now. No, no, there's nothing nothing about uh, looks or danger. Uh, and it didn't bloom, as a matter of fact. But I'm taking what your what you said about the hydrangea mm-hmm. uh, as uh, a heavy winter. Mm-hmm. But it did bloom last year. So, and it's just a young plant. Yeah. Anyhow, okay, I'll okay. wait till spring. Yeah. Rule of and- thumb with any of our flowering shrubs and flowering trees. <clears throat> well, not all are flowering trees, but think of service berry as a shrub. So. With the flowering shrubs, the rule of thumb is wait until they flower, and once they're finished flowering, prune all you want. And that way you you don't minimize the number of flowers you're going to see the following year. You'll actually maximize the number of flowers. So pruning timing is important. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. You're okay, very, Rochelle. very welcome. <laughs> and drive carefully now. <laughs> All righty. Uh, AM 740, Zoomer Radio, the best, the only, and sometimes the unexpected. Well, That'd Jack. Be you. That's you. You that's feel not, that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not me, you. <laughs> oh, really? Hmm. Jack in Welland, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Good morning. Good morning. I, my question is about a poinsettia. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had it outside all winter, all summer, I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, now I'd like to bring it in and try to make it bloom mm-hmm. for the leaves to change color. To turn red, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Now, how do I do that? Well, that's a great question. So is it nice and fat and juicy and green right now? Oh, is it ever. Okay, great. And it's still in the pot, and you just had it outside in the pot? I transplanted it. Okay. And it- I had it outside in the pot. Yeah. Then I... Took it out, uh, dug it out, oh, okay. and and I put it, uh, I put it into a bigger pot. Right, so you've repotted it now. Now, is it still outside as we speak? Yeah, well, it's sitting in my garage. Oh, okay. Right. Well, so I wouldn't leave it in the garage. It's a little too dark in there. Um, this is a this fat, juicy green plant will need some darkness in order to initiate the coloration of the leaves. You know, the red that we think of for poinsettias at Christmas time. Right. So starting in the next week or so, next week. Uh, I've, number one, make sure you've given it a good soap and water spray so that it's nice and clean. There's no bugs and nothing going on. I've already done that. Okay, great. Now bring it in the house. And it's going to – many. what many people will do is they'll have kind of a designated closet where this plant goes. Or perhaps you have a guest room that you don't have guests in. I have a crawl space. Mm. But you don't want to go too far. See, the thing is, it needs to be in a sunny window for um, half the day, and it needs to be in pitch black for the other half of the day. Okay. So, some, like, and a guest room is a good example because if there's no guests in the guest room, of course, the curtains are open, the sun is coming in, the plant is getting lots of light all day, sun goes down, room is dark, plant is in the real dark, and that works as long as there's no traffic light or, or street light outside the window casting light into the room. So if you, if you don't have a truly dark spot like that, some people will take the plant, stick it in the front hall cupboard every night, every morning, get up, get their cup of coffee, go... Pull the poinsettia out of the front hall cupboard, put it back in the windowsill, let it be, you know, a nice, happy houseplant on the windowsill all day. Right. At 7 o'clock at night, you know, put Holy the plant Holy mackerel. You know, dealing that, with this thing is in the worse than having a guest. <laughs> <laughs> at least they could come in and out of the room themselves. Oh, I know, but at least you don't have to do much else. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Bottom line is it's pitch black when it's dark and it's 
proper, bright, growing conditions when it's bright. So there's pitch black and light, and you've got to find what will work for you. And this whole process goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks right through. You'll start to see it coloring up within about eight, ten weeks. Okay. Okay. And then how about fertilizing? Through this process, yes, uh, you can mix up a weak fertilizer. So whatever the directions say, like half the amount of fertilizer or double the amount of water recommended so that it's a weak solution. And you can be fertilizing with that, you know, weak solution. I'd say about every two weeks, every three weeks. Okay. Okay. Don't let the plant dry out. Poinsettias never want to get truly dry, but then don't let it sit in water either. So it's, you know, keep it moist as required. Make sure there's never water sitting in the tray below. Well, thank you very much. All right. Poinsettia yeah. has just taken over your life. Let us, let us know how that works out. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for calling. You are listening to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. By the way, if you'd like to write a little note to Charlie using the email, here's the address, c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Okay? Yeah. Speaking of which, I actually have... Uh, an email that I will read when you allow me to. Well, I think right now would be a wonderful time. Okay. You're yeah. sure that's okay? No, I yes, <clears throat> I've cleared it with myself. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. This is from <laughs> Bob Hart in Ancaster. He loves the program. Uh, he said, I have three jobs to do this September. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I think there's probably a number of listeners in the same quandary that Bob's at in. So three jobs to do this September. At least he thinks they should be done this month, but he's not sure of the correct sequence. So number one, they are nematodes, nematodes to treat for grubs, to mm-hmm. avoid grubs for next year. Number two, overseeding. And number three, fertilizing the lawns. So he's a little skeptical about the effectiveness of those little invisible nematodes, but he's willing to try them again, and he is aware of the special conditions that apply. So would I please confirm the sequence and the timing on the program? So for Bob and for everybody else who's having a struggle with this, today is a perfect day to apply nematodes. Assuming you had the rain last night that many of us did have, you want a nice moist lawn, which we currently have. Follow all the instructions to the letter. And then you again, you're going to water in the nematodes. So you're going to get out your watering can or your sprinkler mm-hmm. or whatever. Water those in. So get on that now. And where you're going to put nematodes is where you're either seeing grub damage now or you anticipate and have seen grub damage in the past. Very good. So that's today. Mm. So overseeding. We're just about at the perfect window for overseeding, actually. The lovely t- thing about planting now in September is that the soil is nice and warm. Seeds will grow quickly. Bulbs, when we plant them, will get going very quickly. Everything loves to be transplanted or planted in September. So overseeding could happen at any time. It could even happen today if that worked in somebody's schedule. Um, now, the thing is, you know, you can do mm-hmm. your nematodes and your overseeding all at the same time. I typically top dress when I overseed. So overseeding is getting out there, pretend you're feeding the chickens with a little bit of seed, making sure the seed has good soil contact. So we walk on that seed, we rake that seed, we want to get it right down in contact with the soil. Little soil on top is always a good idea. Mm -hmm. And again, a little water just to get the seed going. Got to stay on top of the watering. Fall fertilizing. I would hold off on that till for another week or so or 10 days, two weeks. We've got a window of opportunity right from the middle of September to the middle, even end of October to do our fall fertilizing. So you've got a good opportunity. I would not rush the fertilizing. I would get the seed down. I would get the nematodes down now. Wow. You dealt with that. 
troika of questions rather <laughs> handily. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, excellent. Troika excellent. of questions. Uh, uh, well, now, Doreen in St. Catharines, the Garden City, welcome to the show. Good morning. I hope it's better where you are than it is where we are. <laughs> it's a little gray and cool here. Yeah, it's a little gray and cool here. Yeah. <laughs> Could be worse, right? For sure. Okay, I'm calling about my peonies. Mm-hmm. We've just had a recent uh, garden configuration, and they were broken up and transplanted mm-hmm. and praying that they're going to make it mm-hmm. for next year. However, these peonies have a fungus on them. Is it the powdery mildew type fungus? Kind of a powdery oh, yeah. thing, yeah. yeah. The, the bright green leaves are now kind of gray. gray green. Yeah, they get that gray look. Okay, what... That's a superficial um, fungus. So, you know, good of you to recognize that that's what's going on. It should not affect the long-term health of the plants because it's late enough in the season when this is happening. Um, Yes, it is on the surface of the leaves, and yes, it's it's limiting the plant's ability to photosynthesize, but it doesn't mean that the plants are going to die. What you need to do, though, is just keep an eye. Uh, If any leaves drop early... I'm sorry. Hold on a second. Gordon, don't clang. I'm sorry. We've got clanging dishes here. <laughs> <laughs> if, okay. No problem. If, the, if any of the leaves drop early, which sometimes they'll, you know, early defoliation happens mm-hmm. when plants are infested with um, diseases, your job is to follow the rules of good garden hygiene. So any early defoliation of the peony leaves means you pick up those leaves and they go right into the garbage out right. to the landfill. Yeah. Other than that, you wait until we've had a good hard frost. When those leaves, all the peony leaves, are brown and crispy, which is what will happen after the frost, you get out there with your pruners and you cut down your peonies to about an inch tall. Yes. Okay. And at that point, everything you're collecting, again, out to the landfill. Do not keep that on the property. going to affect the... Tubers? Plants around them? No, no, it's okay. a no. That mildew is pretty specific to the peonies. Okay. So okay. yeah, and again, it, it's it's more connected to the kind of uh, temperatures and weather we've had this summer than anything else. Okay. So after a frost and when the when they're brown and crispy. Yep. Cut right down. down. An inch tall. I usually do it a little sooner than that. Actually, I usually do it on November first, to be perfectly honest. Well, and yeah, in St. <laughs> Catharines, you may not have had a frost at that point, which right. is fine. I mean, sometimes you know, no, as long as you can leave it as long as possible. Yes. Okay. We never want to cut plants down any earlier than we have to, okay. just because they are still photosynthesizing. Yes. And in yes. this case, they are still settling in. And when you cut them down, you're going to force them into dormancy and bring them to a, a complete stop. Oh, okay. Okay. I think I'm good. Excellent. Oh, we know you're good. Thanks for your call. (laughs) Thanks a lot. You are too. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a great day, and uh, thanks for tuning us in here at AM740, the uh, Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. We have to take a little bit of a break right now, and we'll be back to go to North York and have a chat with Robert right after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Nice uh, poetic little way to get into the show again here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Frank Proctor here along with Charlie. And uh, by all means, uh, Robert, it's your turn. Uh, From North York, good morning and welcome. Good morning. I've got two questions for you. One is I've got a rose bush, a mature rose bush that didn't bloom much this year. And I want to know if I'm supposed to cut that back at some point. The other one is I've got two maple well, trees in the Robert, back. I have to hold you there. We, get, <laughs> we can only have one question per call. But you're welcome to call back, so get that first question in, okay? Right. So here's, what, here's the story on rose bushes. Are you outside right now? No. 
Oh, it sounds like you are. Okay. It sounds like a, you know, he's out in a hurricane or something. Okay. Rose bushes, a mature rose bush that didn't bloom a lot is, again, goes back to that kind of winter we had. Many of the roses had a tough winter. So your job this fall is to just ensure that uh, any of the roses you have on the property are in as good a shape as you can. Don't be obviously fertilizing now, but if there's any dead wood, that should have been trimmed out by now or could still be trimmed out now. Uh, make sure that if they're tender roses, you do some covering of the crown of the plant with some soil, topsoil, a couple inches around the crown will help those tender roses survive the winter if we don't have a lot of snow your biggest job is next spring next spring when the buds are starting to swell and the birds are singing and spring is in the air you need to get out there and do some very hard pruning on all your roses and that will be something that is very invigorating and you'll be fertilizing at the same time and you will be top dressing with some great compost and all of these things the spring the fertilizer the great soil and the hard pruning will be like I say super invigorating and you will find that you'll get lots and lots of blooms assuming that we have a reasonable winter and there's lots of you know life in the plants to, to start with all right Thank you. Thanks, Thank you very Robert. much, Robert. And, and please try again. Get, get the old phone on speed dial, and uh, as soon as you hang up, try again. We'll be glad to welcome you back for that yes, second question. Mark in Wyoming is on the air. Good morning, Mark. Uh, I'm just uh, calling about a rose bush that was my dad's, uh, probably planted in the late 60s, and we've moved it around from a few homes as we've moved along, and um, I've been trying to propagate it. And uh, for the last number of years, we tried little shoots from it, and we finally got one going, and it's about three inches tall now with leaves on it. Um, Charlie, what should I do with that? Oh, we've had it in the house. What should I do with that over the winter this year? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so this is the, the mother rose is outside in the ground? Yes. All right, so the little baby that you've got in a pot should yep. also be outside. Okay. It's not something you should keep inside at any time. So okay. uh, it, it's a three-inch cutting. It should be in a small four-inch pot. Yep. That small pot should have potting soil in it, and okay. uh, that should be typically out in a sunny location somewhere outside in your on your property where you keep track of it because those little pots can dry out very quickly. And if we do get some heat and we do get some sun, it's important that the, the plant doesn't suffer for lack of, of moisture. Okay. As winter starts to come on and, the, you know, things start to become dormant and the leaves are dropping, etc., that plant needs to spend the winter outside in its pot, but you're going to bury the pot in an open spot in the garden somewhere. Okay. You're going to mark where it is with a, a stake or a little flag of some kind so you know exactly where it is. And once it's buried in the ground, it will, it will be November or December when you're putting it in the ground, right? No earlier than that. Okay. Because it should be dormant when this, this whole burying takes place. Uh, and just leave it like that for the winter. Come spring, pop it out of the ground once the ground thaws. Wash the whole thing off. You know, get rid of any excess soil that ended up in the pot after the burying. Back into that sunny location. Uh, fertilize again in the spring and keep an eye on it. Once it starts to get a little bigger, you have two choices. You'll either pot it up to a bigger pot and continue to sort of tender loving carrot in the pot until it's big enough to go in the ground somewhere on your property or a family's property in lots of sun in a good quality soil. Okay. Okay. And now, and, and if it's like a, um, uh, if it's a hybrid tea, which I think it is, it has mm. nice big deep pink flowers. Um, will it still have the same kind of flowers on it? Yes, it should. If okay, the tr yeah, okay, that's a great question. If the the original rose that your dad planted 
was a, a tender rose in the sense that it was grafted or budded onto a rootstock other than its own, yep. then the, the rose you've been growing all this time and enjoying, whatever it might be called, uh, is the same plant that you have now cloned by taking a cutting okay. and are growing it on its own roots. Right. The challenge will be to see if this plant can actually survive for a long time on its own roots. Okay. Many of these the lovely, lovely roses that we grow for these gorgeous blooms do not have a particularly vigorous or tough root system, which is why that budding and grafting is done in the first place. Right. Okay. okay? Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your call. Okay. Thank you. Calling in from Wyoming, Ontario. How about that? And we're going to be uh, driving, driving along to Woodstock in just a moment here, but once again, time for a little bit of a break here uh, as we are moving along on the Garden Show from AM740, Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Boy, we have been traveling the province this morning, Charlie. No kidding. Uh, let's take a little visit to uh, Woodstock right now and have a chat with Tom. Hey, Tom. Tom, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? Great. Good morning. Thank you. How are you? Glad to listen to your show every week. Thank you. And I've got a problem with some plate-sized hibiscus. Mm-hmm. I, I've got two of them, one in the uh, back of the residence and one in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, the one in the front, um, last year I had the house re- re-bricked and stuff, and it got badly mm. buried and stuff. Mm-hmm. I dug it up and replanted the root and okay. it came up this spring okay good but now it looks a little peaked the leaves seem to be yellowing a little um buds started to form on the top as usual mm-hmm. but then they've all turned brown oh and the one in the back um he's not looking the greatest he, he's never i i moved him a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, for some other plants and uh, this year he flowered about four or five flowers, but now any of the new buds seem to have turned brown on it as well. Hmm. And you're calling from Woodstock. I'm just trying to think. I mean, the, probably the biggest challenge with the what you know the dinner plate sized uh, hibiscus is they do need to be kept moist. So they do like a soil like a very organic soil that holds moisture well because they do rely on being pretty consistently, excuse me, moist. The other thing that people will do sometimes is to um, maximize the bushiness of the plant is they'll actually remove terminal buds as they start to form and cause side branching. So the plant tends to be a little lower, a little fuller, a little bushier, and will often have more flowers as a result. Um, okay. They do like to be fed very, very consistently. So, have you been fertilizing, and is it a you know in a good? Are they in a good soil? Yeah, they're in um, in good soil. In fact, I uh, after the house was rebricked, I dug that whole flower bed up and reconstituted uh, the stuff, and I took the fabric off the top, mm-hmm. which had been on there, and so now it's just got mulch on. And uh, you know, I put uh, sheep manure, composted sheep manure, mm-hmm. around the plants and stuff when I replanted them and underneath of them and okay great and so the and is the rest of the garden plants looking pretty good and just the the hibiscus are standing out as struggling yeah, mm. yeah everything else uh, 
is doing well. Okay, because that's the other thing. Sometimes we find when we put mulch on gardens, that if it's an organic, you know, a crushed bark kind of mulch, the fact that, that all the bacteria and the life in the soil rushes to all those wood chips to start decomposing them, they tend to tie up a lot of the fertilizer in the process of doing the decomposition. So the nitrogen is still there. It's just not available to the plants. And so it could be that your hibiscus are just showing that. Uh, and that's where liquid fertilizer is a really good idea during the growing season on plants, particularly if they do start to look a little when they shouldn't be peaked, you know, in July and August they should be f- very robust. Yeah. As we I, get in, I was using Miracle Grow. Okay, and with, uh, in rainwater. Okay, perfect. And I plant uh, water all my flowers with rainwater. Yeah, great. Okay, good. Um, hmm. It sounds to me like you're doing all the right things. It, it so perhaps it's just a case of them being set back so far from all that crazy construction and replanting and transplanting because that is stressful on plants, uh, and they do always put all their energy into root growth first. So the first couple of years, and particularly with plants like clematis, it can take four or five. Five years before we see any real good growth above ground. So much energy goes below ground when we first plant or transplant. Okay. So, so I'd be patient. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry. It sounds to me like you're doing all the right things. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks so Thanks much, Tom. For your call. Alrighty. Uh, here we are on the Garden Show. Boy, uh, once again, a little trip on the way to Caledon this time in Virginia. Welcome to the show. Morning. Morning. Go ahead, dear. Virginia, yeah, Virginia, go right ahead, please. Oh, hi, uh, my name is Virginia. I'm just uh, concerned. We had uh, poplar trees uh, cut uh, down a lot this this year mm-hmm. because the bad storm we had, uh, and mm. the branches were all broken. Mm-hmm. So we had to cut it from the bottom. Right. And now, all the shooters are out all over the all over the yard. A lot of them. Is there anything that we can do to uh, eliminate these things? Okay, so so the stumps are still there. The stump is still there, but very almost to the ground. All right. But uh, everywhere the, in the backyard, maybe a lot of it. Yeah. All shooters everywhere. Yeah. So those are actually little, like you say, they're shoots or suckers growing off the yeah. root, and. Is there anything you can do? Well, not easily. If they're coming up in the lawn, of course, the lawnmower is going to cut them off. Yes. And eventually they will die just because as they're cut and cut and cut, they will die from lack of sunlight. However, if those little shoots are coming up in the garden, it's a trickier thing. My impulse would be to go to your local garden center and there's something on the shelf <clears throat> called stump remover. Okay. It's actually saltpeter, and it is um, you, something that you will drill holes into those poplar stumps. You will pour <clears throat> this uh, powder into the, the holes, and you will follow all the instructions on the, this particular package. And the idea is that you want to actually kill – you want to annihilate the growth that's coming out of those roots by, by killing the plant starting at the stump. Because you'll, you'll, other than that, the only thing you can do is get in there and start digging up roots. And you could, that's a really horrendous job. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, as long as there's life in those roots and in that stump, they will continue to grow. So you've got you've to kill all the green coming off the stump, and it will slowly die. It may take a couple of years, but it can be done. Oh, that's good. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thanks Virginia. For your call. Thank you. And by golly, if we Bye-bye. move right along here, we can get one more caller in, Charlie. If we're fast. All righty. Matt from Sutton, you're on the air. Good morning. And welcome to the oh, show. Oh, a first timer as well. All right. The wind chimes. 
There they are. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Excellent. My question, I, I hope it's quite simple. I have some heirloom tomatoes I've grown uh, mm-hmm. from plants this year, mm-hmm. and I've got blight in them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the plants are dying off, and the tomatoes are getting a big brown spot on them and everything. Mm-hmm. My question is, is can I save any of the seeds from those tomatoes mm-hmm. to grow next spring? Sure. They're the exact – they should be – I mean, they're open-pollinated, but you should be able to save seeds, I guess, depending on how many different tomatoes you got going on there, uh, and replant them, no problem next year. The blight situation is, again, a bit of a weather issue and also very often does happen, whether it's early blight, we start seeing that in July, or late blight, which we're seeing now. Uh, you should still get good fruit, and yes, the, the plant just dies right before your very eyes. So I just need to let those tomatoes ripen like normal. That's right. And save the seeds. That's right. And you know what? To save the seeds, you wash them because they've got that little jelly stuff on them. Yeah. Give them a wash, get the jelly off, dry them, uh, put them into an envelope so that they're kept in a in a situation of darkness and just hold them in a cool, dark location until you start planting them next March inside. That's great. Thank okay. you very much. I love your show. Thank you. And it's always very informative. Thank you. Excellent. Bye-bye. Thanks That's for your great, call. Matt. Thank you for tuning in. We were just remarking, actually, a number of people uh, that we hear from listen to the show every week. Mm-hmm. Some don't even call, but we, you know, hear through the grapevine or whatever that they, they listen all the time. So mm-hmm. hello to our extended family. Yes, exactly. And, uh, our keen gardeners. Thank you for uh, allowing us to pull a chair up to your breakfast table there and <laughs> share some of the day with you. And if you're on your way from Creamore, don't forget the springs. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're <laughs> I think it was three three Creamore we ordered, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, So what do you got going on? You got 10 seconds to tell me? Well, I've got a little <laughs> bit of a show coming up at 2.30, Grants oh, International. You're back on the air mm-hmm. with that show. That's right. The That's refund experts and exciting. then some music. Uh, and James uh, Dooley and I will be getting around uh, the traces. Oh, you guys are trouble when I you get on tr- there. I, I don't I've believe heard. they let us loose uh, together. I've heard. That's right. <laughs> and they actually pay you to do this? Yeah, exactly. You are too lucky. Dave Redinger <laughs> and Alan Gelman standing by, yep, of course. Revving their engines. There they are. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Uh, thanks to James. Thanks, Franklin. And thanks to all the great callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.